You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. Well, welcome back to another episode of the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. I'm Andy, back here again, and today a very special episode of the podcast because for the first time, we have two special guests Hello. and they're incredibly <laughs> special. It's Kirk and Tim. Hi. Hey. G'day. Welcome, everyone. Uh, it's a special episode. We've got two people because today we're doing our first Q&A podcast. Mm. So we've reached the end of our Holy Spirit series over the past five weeks. We've been looking at the Holy Spirit, specifically looking through um, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth or Corinth, depending if you're Julie or not. How <laughs> you pronounce that? I think that. Julie's the only one who pronounces it like yeah. that. She's been there though. That's how they say it there. Yeah, so right. uh, I thought it might have been that was she's a Queenslander. <laughs> <laughs> she probably also says potato scallops instead of potato cakes. Yeah. Classic Queenslanders. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're doing a Q&A wrapping up this series. Um, we actually did a live Q&A on Sunday night, part of our Sunday at 6 service. And so we had some extra questions um, left over from that as well as some additional questions that you, our listeners, have sent in. Uh, and so we're going to hopefully try and clarify a few things from um, from the series. Um, for some very, We've got some very specific questions as well. So if you haven't listened to the series, I'd probably go back and listen to it first before just jumping into this podcast. Um, but there are some questions that are not, you know, strictly related to the series as well. Um, so we'll go a bit broader later on. Uh, but we're going to start with a very specific question. The question that came in was, can you please unpack verse 32 a bit? Thanks. So this is verse 32 in chapter 14, um, which is the sermon that just um, came out, the previous episode of this podcast. Kirk, you delivered that on the Sunday that's just gone. Sure did. Um, but before we get into your answer of that, Tim's going to provide some context. Yeah, well, I'm going to have a crack at the question, oh, okay, actually. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, which is fine. Um, yeah, so look, 1 Corinthians 14 or the second half of it is all about how you conduct your Christian worship services or, or gatherings. And the key principle, as Kirk pointed out in this uh, section, is things should be done in a fitting and orderly way, right? Mm. You want good order. It's not got to be chaotic. Um uh, Paul's been writing about people taking in turns. So if people have a prophecy, which is a word from God for God's people, then, you know, take it in turns. And in that context, uh, verse 32 says, the spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. Uh, so the basic point is quite a simple one, I think, is that um, you're able to control yourself. If you have a word from God, um, it doesn't just come spilling out out of control, um, but it's actually in the control of the person. God doesn't take over your body um, and speak through you in a sort of a weird voice, mm. Mm. Um, but you can actually wait your turn if someone else is speaking and when they're finished, then you speak and give God's word to God's people at that point. So um, he's basically saying you're not out of control. You're in control. The spirits of prophets are the subject to the control of prophets, so do things in an orderly way and that'll be the best way to to build up the church with God's word. Yeah. I think that idea that people would get out of control uh, comes primarily from, you know, movies where somebody's wandering into the, the catacombs underneath an old cathedral or something and there's a prophet or someone speaking in some bizarre language in there and they just look possessed and it's all spooky and yep. that sort of stuff. And, and really we're presented with something quite different as to what the church should be like, which is, yeah, you're in so much control. You can just quietly wait your turn until it's your turn to speak. <laughs> you know, no yeah. sense of possession whatsoever. Yep. And that's not really God's game. Like, you know, he's just not like that. He, I don't see him throughout the Bible at all sort of just 
coming in and and taking over people's bodies to that sort of crazy extent where they'd be no. possessed. Well, God, God, um, God loves our. Um, createdness, our physicality, our minds. Mm. So he doesn't want to bypass those things. Mm. They're, they're good things that he works through mm. and uses. Yeah. 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 And that's certainly been my experience. So we, we um, have times in our um, sort of meetings and, and stuff pre-service or, or just staff meetings where we just try and listen to God and we ask him to speak to us and um, whether he delivers a, a prophecy or a vision or, or something like that, just a, a word to be shared. Um, if he does, then it's, you just get that. You get that interrupting thought um, and it's not like you're, as Kirk said, taken over, possessed and, and just start mm. repeating a phrase over and over. No way. That's that's the realm of sci-fi um, and, and fantasy to, to imagine things like that. Mm. Um, it's Yeah, it's much more controlled. You have that and you know, mm-hmm. then when the appropriate time comes in the meeting, you share it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then you test it, yep. which yeah. makes sense as well, you know, that we're not uh, out of control speaking in another weird voice. Um, you put it out there and then people weigh it up. Um, you weigh it up against what God's word, the Bible says. You weigh up whether it's sort of, you know, a sensible thing that mm. is being brought here, something that's loving and helpful to um, strengthen and comfort and encourage. And, yeah, if it, which which only makes sense if you're you you're in control as yeah. you as you share that and then the church weighs it up yeah. and, and tim there's this massive emphasis on testing in mm. 1 Corinthians 14 and you're sharing some insight before we started recording just like the the date of this letter um, has a big impact on why paul might be going so hard you know because he's he's very strict you know with them they seem to be getting it wrong and he really does put in these very strict rules around taking turns and and the role of wives and all this sort of stuff. Do you want to unpack a little bit? Why is the date, I guess, give us some insight as to why Paul's so big on emphasising orderliness in prophecy? Yeah, so a lot of people might not realise that um, 1 Corinthians, this this particular letter, is is probably the earliest um, part of the New Testament that we've got. So it was written first. People, Mm. just because the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John appear first, people think they were written first, but actually they were probably written um, one of the last mm. parts of the New Testament written. So, yeah, people reckon that this is in the in the 50s, like not the 1950s, but the 050s. <laughs> zero, zero, zero 50s. Yeah, so something like, you know, 20 years, less than 20 years or around 20 years um, after Jesus died and rose again that Paul's writing this, so it's very early. So there is no Bible, not in terms of the mm. New Testament um, yet. And so... Yeah, bringing God's word um, to people is only happens really through prophecy as mm. as people share and as people like Paul teach what they know and what Jesus' disciples have witnessed of his life. And so the spoken word is really important um, to weigh up and to learn from because there is no written down word. There is no New Testament, there's not a series of letters in the Gospels where people can just read about this stuff. So it makes sense, too, of why prophecy is so important and why Paul's so big on it to Mm. say, you know, prophecy is a really important gift because it's bringing God's word to God's people. Probably be easier to test prophecy now than back then because we do have so many more books in the New Testament than they would have had uh, in Corinth. So, you know, that's an advantage we have. It's still important to test it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but probably we could cope with a bit more chaos these days because um, we have the Bible, which 
hasn't changed over 2,000 years, that's a pretty rock-solid thing to test against. Um, <laughs> whereas, uh, you know, those guys would have to go, like, stop talking over each other. You know, like, we need some order here if we're going to work this out properly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, big challenge for them, and I think that's why Paul goes so hard on it. And mm. one of the key one of the key reasons that we say if you're testing prophecy, you test it against the Bible, mm. God's written word, is because the spirit is behind both of those things. Mm. Mm. So prophecy, if it's a true prophecy, is something that the Holy Spirit gifts and inspires in a person, but the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit as the Spirit caused people to write down truths from God which are recorded in the Bible. Um, and the Holy Spirit's not going to contradict himself. Mm. So he's not going to give uh, us a word of prophecy which directly goes against what he's already inspired in the Bible, which is why it's got to be tested against God's word in that way. Mm. And if someone uh, steps up and has some prophecy which directly goes against what's written, you can say, I don't think that's right because... The Holy Spirit doesn't, God doesn't contradict himself. Yeah. 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 Do you think using the definition of prophecy being um, a message for God's people um, from God, uh, would, would you define the Bible as a sort of long form piece of prophecy? Uh, because the Bible speaks to us today in, in our culture, 2000 years after it was written. Um, it has applications for today. Um, yeah. Do you think that's. Like obviously, there's different genres of, of book in the Bible, and there's definitely prophecy within the Bible. But yeah, do you think it's yeah, if you take a very general definition of prophecy, then I think the Bible is yeah prophetic, and um, it's not the gift of prophecy in no. a way that we've been looking at in this series. Um, but other things can yeah can be prophetic outside of the gift of prophecy, which um, has been referred to in chapters twelve and fourteen. So yeah, I, I go that far. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I'd have to think about whether we'd say every single bit was prophetic or yep. if you might want to make a distinction on some of it. So, if, like, yeah, it would depend on your definition because there'd be some bits, yeah, I don't know, I'm just thinking. Well, like, there's different types of literature. Yeah, that's like there right. is a prophetic, yeah. um, there are prophetic parts of the Bible. There are other parts where it's it's kind of written as history, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's God's word. But they're linked. One one place that they're linked. I'm just jumping into uh, two Peter chapter one, where this idea of prophecy and and scripture, the Bible, are linked together. Uh, he writes in verse twenty. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets though humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Mm. So that's the idea that the Holy Spirit inspires the prophet and it's recorded in Scripture. So there's a link yeah, between the two. Sure. Um, but there's lots of different types of uh, literature or genres, you might say. Yeah, it'd be hard to say Proverbs is a book of prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yep. yeah. So, yeah, you want to draw it. But overall, you know, is the Bible prophetic? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I would say, you know, when people are preaching from the Bible and, and the aim of good preaching is to bring the truths of God's word to people now, um, that sort of fits in that broad definition of God's word to God's people. Um, 
And certainly when you're preparing to preach, you pray hard that God's spirit would inspire what you're writing and that it would be relevant to people and really hit their personal circumstances. Uh, and sometimes, you know, when God's really at work, people will say it, it felt like God was speaking directly to me at that mm. moment. Um, and that's beyond the power of any preacher to do that. That's God taking those words and, and using as a, as a gift to that person, I think. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Great. Uh, so our next question uh, is to do with the gift of tongues. So that was yep. um, explored throughout the series. Um, tongues being a, a special language that we can use to to talk to God um, or to deliver a message to someone in a foreign language. Um, but if we're talking directly to God uh, and God can understand us in English, what's the point of a special language to talk to him? Yeah, um, the main reason is that human languages don't always measure up you know they can't always express exactly what we want I, even in our conversation here we've had a few ahs and mm's and pauses just yeah. as we sort of search for the right way to express something yeah and the phrase you know do you know what i mean does that make sense all very that, common in, yeah in all that sort yeah. of stuff and so yeah english is great for most of the time but it's not perfect as is not no, no language is perfect and so we can't can't always express and sometimes English doesn't even have a word to express the feeling that we have or the thought that we're having. Um, so I, in my experience of tongues was that it allowed me to express what I was going on in my gut uh, or in my heart uh, in a way that I just couldn't express with English for, for, for whatever reason. And so that was God's good gift to me that allowed me to, to speak in that way. Um. That's sort of how I would understand it. English is going to be great most of the time, but every now and then it's great to have God just give us, um, well, you know, if he wants to give you the gift of tongues, um, then that can be a great thing to use um, every now and then and, and just increase your the depth of relationship you have with God. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, um, a, a passage of scripture comes to my mind. It's not directly related to tongues, but I think it relates to the idea. Uh, this is in Romans, Romans 8. It says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, yeah. which yeah. I don't think that's talking about tongues, mm. but it's capturing in the context he's writing about suffering. Sometimes we don't even know what we're, we're so in such distress or difficulty. We don't know what to pray. Um, but the Holy Spirit within us will sort of be able to groan to God on our behalf, mm. even if we can't put it into words. And I think it's exactly the same context as mm. which that spiritual language, that other language mm. enables that communication with God mm. where our, our own language, be it English or any other language, doesn't quite capture the moment or we can't put it into words. Yeah. And look, I've only spoken in tongues three times in my life, but the first time it was definitely that I had a lot of confusion and uh just un uncertainty going on in my life and in my head and somehow praying in a language that I'd never heard and I couldn't write down a translation for you brought clarity to the situation <laughs> um, and in particular in the context of God's love. So it's a bit of a mysterious thing how that works, but it, that's how it worked for me. Mm, cool. Uh, so this question was sort of a follow-on from one of the questions we answered on Sunday, which was um, talking about... Um, losing gifts of the spirit um, mm. and, you know, can they be taken away or, or whatever. So um, the question's a little bit more specific than that. So uh, it's can you feel like you're no longer worthy of a gift uh, if you've drifted in your faith? Is 
any given gift faith-based. That is, you lose the gift if you no longer believe. Mm. Can I t- I'll, I'll take a step back yeah. here just um, because actually the, the language that's used in the Bible about spiritual gifts um, is the same word that we use when we talk about grace. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So there are lots of things that we get from God as gifts. In fact, the, the heart of the Christian faith is that God saves us as a, as a free gift. He gives us grace. We don't deserve Jesus to die on the cross to deal with our sins. We don't deserve to be in relationship with God, and there's nothing we can do to earn it. But God is gracious to us and he, he gives us salvation. Jesus dies in our place. Our sins are completely forgiven. He gives us life, abundant life that goes on forever as a free gift. And so the biggest gift that God gives us is a relationship with him through Jesus. And then these other things are also gifts that are given us mm. in order to serve. Um so they, they, they are gifts, and um, I guess how effective we are at exercising them is linked with faith mm. in that the, the, the more we're trusting in God and the more we're in step with God's spirit, um, I guess the, the more effective we're going to be at using our particular gifts uh, in God's service uh, because it is about a relationship mm. and we're, we're exercising these gifts in the context of relationship. Yeah, I mean, the start of the question is, can you feel like you're no longer worthy of the gift? People definitely feel that. Absolutely. You know, um, that doesn't mean the feeling is is the right one to have, but yes, you can definitely feel that. Um, uh, the question is then, like, what do you do? You go, oh no, I haven't measured up. Mm. Um, therefore, you know, I'm going to have to work really hard to get back into it. But but again, you come back to grace. Like, grace is that undeserved loving gift. So. It's not about then going, oh, I need to work harder and get the gift back. It's actually about leaning back into your relationship with God and the grace that he's given us and, and seeking that a deeper understanding of that grace rather than trying to increase your performance. Um, and so, but, but I would say to address the last part of the question, can you lose the gift if you no longer believe? I guess in a way, like not lose it in the sense of like, well, where did it go? But if you don't, if you no longer are leaning on God and putting trust in him and in relationship with him, some of these gifts are just going to, they are, you're not going to use them. Like why would you? Mm. <laughs> well, like just logically, you know, like if, if you got the gift of tongues and then you decide God doesn't exist. Yeah, why would you use tongues? Then, because Then you must yeah. think that tongues is... You're just making it up or, you know, it's just some random whatever. Mm. So you probably lost the thing that makes tongues good in the first place. Yeah. When Um, I read this question, I thought of um, the story of Jesus walking on water. Um, So miraculous power, I assume you could define that as a spiritual gift. Um, And one of the disciples who I tried to look it up, I couldn't find it. Um, Peter Peter walks on water with him. And then he has a wavering of his faith in in what he's doing and he sinks he mm. falls into the water um so that's that's an example in the bible where yeah one of the disciples is performing a miraculous power mm. doubts himself and loses it so yep yep 
And, and yeah. faith, faith is described in the Bible as the gift of God. So in Ephesians it says, you know, when it's talking about grace, it says um, uh, that it comes by faith, but it says which is a gift from God. So even the faith that we have is God's gift to us. Yeah, um, Faith is one of the gifts of the Spirit listed in. Yeah, and I think it's worth bringing that out, Andy, because um, every per- every person has faith um, and being in a position to put your faith in Jesus is described as God's gift, that God enables that. But I think when it's talking about the gift of faith, that's talking about something else as well, that there are people who have particularly strong yeah. uh, faith and it's often coupled with other gifts in a, in a bit of a cluster Um and it's the gift of faith which also enables them to exercise some of these other other gifts as well, whether it's gift of evangelism or a gift of miracles or something mm. like that where um, faith is always coupled with it. Yep. Mm. What do you reckon with the more natural gifts, you know, something like teaching yep. or service, uh, which perhaps people have before? Yeah, you can be a gifted teacher in an area before you become a Christian. Mm. Um, and then you have an opportunity to use that natural talent or gifting that you have to serve God if you become a Christian. Yep. I guess those ones you sort of they're less likely to lose those. You don't suddenly stop having teaching skills if you stop being a Christian. But you're not using it in the same way, are but you? That's right. It's not yep. a spiritual gift in that sense. It's a talent. Yep. It drops back into the to the realm of talent. Yep. And the purpose of spiritual gifts, as we've seen throughout these chapters in 1 Corinthians, is so that uh, – Christ's body, the church, will be built up. Mm. That's the whole purpose of spiritual gifts. So you might be a great teacher, mm. but if you stop believing in Jesus, you're not going to use that teaching gift to build up the body, mm. the church. So it loses that spiritual edge because yeah. um, it's being used for another purpose, which mm. might be a good purpose, you know, yeah. teaching kids in a high school or whatever, um, but it's not being used in that way to nurture and build up the church. Yeah. Mm. Um, we might move to a more general question, um, if that's okay with you guys. Sure. Um, so this one I think might be pretty quick because I've just done a bit of research on it. Uh, Hitler was presumed to be a Christian. Would he go to heaven considering he killed so many people? Quick answer, he wasn't a Christian. <laughs> uh, it's it's Phew. Yeah. <laughs> um, he promoted, uh, he and the Nazi party promoted what they called a positive Christianity, which was completely heretical. It denounced the resurrection of Jesus. It um, denounced the the vast majority of the Old Testament, obviously being Jewish beliefs. Um, he he just wasn't a Christian. Um, yeah, he he in um, sort of his rise to power, he promoted himself as a Christian to sort of align with the Christian voters of the time, um, but flat out wasn't just. He wasn't. Yep. So that's uh, the easy answer. To well, the I, I jokingly <laughs> said few, you know, but let, let's be honest. Let's face this one square on. There are plenty of people who are um, Christians or claim to be Christians who do appalling things, right? Absolutely. And so what do we do with that? Um, well, we come back to the fact that God God will judge all of us, you know, and it's not like, oh, well, you claim to be a Christian. You're off the hook. Yeah. Um, actually, the Bible says that, God's judgment starts with the people of God or the household of God. So it's actually Christians who will be judged mm. first for how we have lived that out. Um, and we do believe we're saved by grace. If our trust is in Jesus, then mm. we're saved. But we still will be judged about what we've done. 
in mm. response to that knowledge of Jesus. And yep. So, so there will be a judgment and we're not the judge. Jesus is the judge. So he'll be the ones who determine who's in and out. But there is that challenge there that just because a person claims to be Christian doesn't mean it's free for all, do whatever you want, that all of us will face up to God who is a loving judge, but a judge nonetheless. Mm. Yeah. So it seems like there's extra big judgment coming for people who claim to be a follower of Jesus and then really act in a, as if they're a follower of Satan. And um, and I'm yeah. I'm really glad that there is like yeah, you've got yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, absolutely. coming out you know yeah. things like the Royal Commission recently into yeah. you know sexual abuse that happened and was covered up in churches. I'm glad that God will judge that, mm. and you know we should all be glad <laughs> that mm. that God will judge that because it means that even people who got away with appalling stuff on earth, mm. which just awful, that that's not the end of the story and God's going to do something about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and what will probably be our last question, because we are getting towards the end of our half hour, um, will you go to heaven if you are a baby? And if so, what's the age limit? Do you have to be a certain... I think this is if the baby dies, I would yes. assume. <laughs> yes. Um, well, yeah, because otherwise you wouldn't otherwise be a baby anymore. Grow up yep. and, you know, so, yeah, the baby passes away. Will they go yeah. to heaven? Uh, is there a minimum age requirement? Uh, uh, look, I'm a firm believer in in infants who die g- going to heaven, and we could have a long conversation about what it means to go to heaven, and you know, and what that where they are now, blah blah blah. But in the basic sense of like, are they going to be in relationship with God in the next life or not? Then I think they are. I don't really have ideas on how to express that, but I just basically come that to that bring that back to the fact that God is fair. And he's a fair judge, and he's kind, and it would be, cons- you know, he would he would know that person, that little baby who perhaps hasn't lived very long, better than anyone else, and he would judge them fairly, just as he would judge someone who's ninety nine, um, fairly based on their heart, um, their lives and and their mind. So, yep, I think he would just take take takes everyone where they're at, and if that that's a little tiny little baby who can't think for themselves and never really done anything on purpose, you'll treat them as fairly as anyone else. And that's sort of my take on it. Yeah. And I'm with you on that. It's it's hard because there's no kind of place you could point to in the Bible where there's a definitive answer given. Mm. And so you have to go to the sort of stuff that Kirk's spoken about where you you have to trust the character of God mm. and what the Bible reveals about God as he's merciful, he's kind, he's loving, he's a good judge, he judges fairly, as you say. Mm. And we have to say, well, rate it against that character that we know of god that's the answer that i'd give mm. as well mm. just can't proof text it or give anything more definitive than that yeah, yeah. uh an age limit yeah it's a bit hard to work out really like i just tell the same line at whatever age is god will, god knows everyone intimately and he will judge everyone fairly yeah no matter what they're yeah age. it's not like on your 15th birthday suddenly that's way more accountable that's your, for your you're actions. suddenly accountable to god yeah no and human development fair. doesn't quite work like that you know no. it's a gradual thing isn't it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um and you could take the same premise to you know the remote tribes hypothesis you know discussion that uh, hypothetical discussion um you know if there's a tribe that's never had any connection to any christian and they've never had any chance to hear about jesus well I think, yeah, it'll it'll be yeah. I'm God's fairness. Of, yeah. God doesn't just say, bad luck, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. I think he will treat them just as fairly as he treats 
us who have had a great opportunity um, to hear the gospel and he'll take all that into account. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Mm. Uh, it probably should express probably some difference of opinion in that in Christian circles. Like some yeah. people would say, "Oh, they're in trouble." Um, yeah, but I just mm. uh, it doesn't fit to me with everything I know about God. Well, yeah. I think God judges them against the revelation, you know, the information that they've received. Uh, every person in the world, like if you're talking about every adult, has some information about God because God. God's power and mm. majesty is revealed in creation, we're mm. told. Mm. So there's something to judge it against. But if that's all you've got, that's different to say someone yeah. who's grown up in Australia, it's, they've heard all about Jesus, they've had an opportunity to respond. I think God It would be a pretty big leap for mm. someone to say, wow, aren't the stars in the sky beautiful? Uh, thanks, Jesus, for making yeah. them. Like, yeah. it's just not going to happen. Yeah, like, although people do respond to God, you know, sure. even yes. if with yes. what little they know as about a creator, him, as a yeah. creator. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I but think, the, you know, the standard yeah. by which they'd be judged against. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But the details of the cross and repentance of sin and all that, yeah. you know, no. it's going to be a lot harder for them to yeah. work that out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, thank you, Kirk. Thank you, Tim. Pleasure. Thanks, Andy. Um, we're... I think we're going to have a bit of a break from these bonus episodes. We're going to um, do a bit of rethinking. We've um, asked for some feedback. Um, if you've got any feedback of your own, please send it through. Just email questions at stjohnsdc.org.au. Um, so we'll be back hopefully in a few weeks' time. Um, Maybe after the school holidays. After school holidays, yeah. Um, but, yeah, stay tuned. Subscribe and then you'll get notified when a new episode comes up every time. Um, until then, have a great uh, few weeks. And you can still catch the podcast episodes of Sunday's Talks um, available early in the week. Bye. Later, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I work on the outro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd like to finish my podcast with a sense of, oh, yeah. we're done. <laughs> <laughs>Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. 